Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today, Pastor Lydia and I were discussing about how God is calling each and every one of us prophetically to join him in um, healing in the name of Jesus and offering hope to people around us and amongst us at this time. And I think this conversation has been very poignant and important, given that we're witnessing just how much our power structures and the power brokers in our society have been failing us and um, have not really offering or not that they have it, but, offer, but, you know, and I guess the question comes to mind regarding how we can really affect meaningful and real change in the lives of people around us and even within us. And so um, I found this conversation to be very resourceful and insightful and really revealing of what God is doing during this time. And if you're wondering what God is up to, um, please tune in. Here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. A recent study, according to Pew Research Center, says that public trust in the government has fallen precipitously to historical new lows. Only 17% of Americans believe Washington will do the right thing. They can trust the government in Washington to do what is right just about always. That was about 13% or most of the time, 4%. Those are some staggering numbers. That means, conversely, 83% of the country, during a public global pandemic, do not believe in the morals and ethics of our leaders. That is mind-blowing. Can you even conceive that. And that's exactly what the Spirit's power confronts at Pentecost. He takes unschooled ordinary men and fills them with power on high to turn the world upside down. He strips the powerful and empowers the vulnerable as an exercise of hope of all those who've been dismissed and oppressed. He uses the least of these to make the world right again. That's distributive justice, a prophetic eschatological future of the kingdom of God. As Dr. King used to say, that it is, this is a categorical imperative. This is a law written in the heavens. And that's why I think it's so paramount to understand the psychology of power and the nature of power. And how the gospel, through the spirit, changes this corrosive nature of power. And that's the question we want to answer today. How does the spirit of God redeem the corrosive nature of power? Let's go to our scriptures and learn right now. 
Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. I will be reading the first half, and Sally will be reading the second half. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to man who was lame and now and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with this man? they ask. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. But the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Amen. Bye, guys. So the question we asked in the beginning was, how does the Spirit of God redeem the corrosive nature of power? And he does it by prophetically exposing the collusion of power. That's right, the collusion of power. If you pay attention to the positionality, the power brokers in this narrative, you clearly see that those in power care nothing about public service, care nothing about healing the world or making it a better place. All they care about is what? Protecting their power, even if they're wrong, even if. The Spirit of God who they believe, who they've read in the Torah, in the Old Testament, that He, the Messiah, would rise up. Even if He did come, they're in denial about it because it threatens their power. If you look at this passage in verse 1, there are three power brokers, right? The priest, the captain of the guard, and the Sadducees. The priests were supposed to know. They knew the Torah. They knew the Bible by heart. Yet, when Jesus came, they could not accept Him. And now... These people are healing. Peter and John are healing in the name of Jesus. Watch, which makes them look foolish. 
So they're trying to save face. The temple guards and the Sadducees. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. The soldiers here reflect also the embarrassment faced by those soldiers who, who what? Let Jesus resurrect from the dead. They were, they were the contingency. That was not supposed to happen, so there was embarrassment there. So all parties involved are trying to save face. The Sadducees are atheistic. They don't even believe in the resurrection, and they preach that as a fact. Now, Jesus did. It makes them what, look foolish, and all they care is about maintaining the power. You see that? And we need to see that collusion happen in our world today. We've seen the Hollywood elite, Epstein and Weinstein, the corrosive nature of the power and abuse, especially in the media. How Weinstein particularly, while giving money to women's foundations, abused, raped, and exploited women for decades while looking like a genius. People in high places, beautiful people, powerful people, do the ugliest things. If we don't see this collusion, we're going to put our hope on the people and faces on TV and, and in government. Yes, some want to serve, but the many are caught between a competing commitment of their own interests versus the public. Societal interest always usually loses in any form of system, any form of government. And that's why I think it's particularly important to know that if we're going to change the world, it's not going to happen with power brokers that are in place. They don't want to serve, right? I mean, think about it. These men were put into prison. John and Peter were put into prison and jailed for healing someone that was sick when they were up to 40 years old. They couldn't walk begging on the streets, systemically in poverty. He was healed in a second in Jesus' name. They were put into prison, just like Dr. King fighting civil rights, just like Nelson Mandela in South Africa in apartheid. Sometimes power doesn't protect societal interest or the public good. All it does is what? It corrosively try to protect their own interest. This is why the Spirit of God came in Pentecost to fill the vulnerable, to call the foolish things of this world, to shame the wise. That's the gospel. That's the kingdom unpacked, a mustard seed. Just like the Lord of the Rings, the smallest creatures can change the course of history. And that's why this point is that we need to learn what not to put our hope in. Policy, legislation will not change the status quo. We need to change hearts and minds. And we need to be filled by the Spirit and see for ourselves that if we're going to change this world, we have to become the change that we want to see in this world through the power of the Spirit. I pray the Spirit of God will show you in your own life that false hope that you have. That maybe I don't need to do anything. Maybe the people are just in the right places. That's not true. Right now, you need to see clearly the corrosive nature of power in world governments, especially our own. And begin to really pray about, Lord, how are you calling me? So I pray the Spirit of God today will show you that. Amen.
So at the beginning, we asked the question, how does the Spirit redeem the corrosive nature of power? The second lesson we learn is by using the weak to shame the strong. The Spirit uses the weak to shame the strong. As they say in, this, in Stranger Things, the Netflix sci-fi epic series, it's the upside down. The kingdom, in many ways, works upside down because the world is upside down and God has to bring it back right side up. Look from verse 13 here. It says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, nothing special, do something extraordinary, they were astonished. They were astonished because when they saw Peter and John, they saw nothing charismatic. They saw nothing that would suggest that they would have this cosmic, miraculous power. They were looking for it, but they couldn't find it. And they knew, it says that they took note that these men have been with Jesus. And that rubbed them the wrong way, didn't it? Because they colluded the Jewish rulers, the high priests, to kill him. Because they wanted to what? Corrosively protect their power, even when they read the scriptures every day and remembered the Torah by heart. When it came incarnate, embodied in the flesh, they refused it because they loved power more than truth. But when you read this text, what does it say? It says that they were ordinary, unschooled. They were not scholars. They didn't go to the ivy tower. They were just fishermen, commerce, merchants. They had no special revelation except the Spirit's power. Isn't that powerful? Some of you watching this broadcast are not powerful. Most of us are not. But the powers of this world are still running it, right? Where we wouldn't be complaining every day. And we, we already said that the collusion of power is not really there to serve the populace. It's to serve oneself. And that's why we find ourselves in the story we find ourselves. This dystopian reality. In the Lord of the Rings, for some of you today, I, I, this is for you, I believe, prophetically. I feel it in my spirit. There's a segment in the Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo and Gandalf have a conversation, and the conversation goes like this. Frodo says, I wish it need not to happen in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. In the Lord of the Rings, Frodo, a powerless small hobbit, which token literally parallels humanity, many of us, of not noble birth, not part of the aristocracy, just regular folk who do not have power might be called 
And as Tolkien says in The Lord of the Rings, even the smallest creatures can change the course of history. Today, God is calling many of you who don't want the responsibility to speak truth to power, many of you that are afraid to be bold, many of you that say these excuses, I, have, I don't know enough, I'm not connected enough, I don't have the right stuff. What can I do? And then we come to the gospel and at Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit fill these ordinary men and women and they change the world for the better. God is calling you today, many of you right now, to come to the front. In the Lord of the Rings, the battle of Middle-earth is the battle of the cosmos, the battle of everything that's important in the world. And that battle is happening today. And many of us might say, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. That's why the Spirit comes to empower you. If you are willing to be courageous, and that's not to have the right stuff. That means to say, yes, Lord, like the apostles, to be emptied. If you're already emptied, you can be filled by the love and power of God to confront power, like in this passage. To end the collusion, to not protect self, but to serve, to heal, like this man was, in the name of Jesus. I pray the Spirit will show you places and faces where you must speak in the name of Jesus. I pray the Spirit would convict you where you must speak out. And, and if you're afraid, pray for the power of God to come over you for the Spirit to fill you, because He is calling many of you today to do His work, to be His hand and feet right now. As we close our service today, will you say yes to the Lord? Will you lift your hands? It might feel silly sometimes, but maybe today is the moment where you really draw a line in the sand, where you say, Lord, I'm tired of my excuses. Spirit of God, you've been convicting me. I'm going to speak out places and faces. And I want you to fill me, to speak to power, for me to be courageous in your name and speak your name and do things in the power of your name. And say, Lord, fill me and give me the courage to act for the better of this world. Right, because corrosive nature of power, what, protects its own and its own interest. But the Spirit's power heals and serves. And that is what the world needs today. Amen. Will you lift your hands as you sing this song today and let the Spirit fall and empower you. Amen. I think a lot of the times we do have expectations that power works in a top-down manner, meaning like we place our hopes and our you know, thoughts in the fact that people, very powerful people or people that kind of run or operate things 
in this world would affect some kind of change um, in our lives. But, you know, that's usually not really the case. And, you know, I think what is really highlighted through this sermon is that Dr. Sammy is reminding us that, you know, the way that God works is kind of the opposite of what we might expect in terms of the convention of this world. Um, and so I just kind of want to bring up that, I guess, topic of conversation about like the way God works in this world is not very conventional, but it is actually a very upside down kind of kingdom. Um, and I just wanted to gather a little bit of your thoughts regarding that, like, you know, how, like what you think about, um, I guess that the way God works in our world in relation to um, power in this case, or like the way in which we would expect power to operate in our world. Um, so hi guys. Um, yeah, well, I think upside down is such a great way to explain how God works versus how, um, the world tries to operate, right? Mm. The world tries to operate um, through systems and through a top-down kind of leadership. And, but I think we are, I mean, this pandemic has shown and exposed so much of the failure of systems and failure of um, leadership and, exposed injustice and mm. I guess like the roots that have never been good and really because system is made of of people and I think you know it could upside down like what does that really mean I think it literally means that it is really different from change comes in ways that are so different from what we think mm. um how God accomplishes that change really is through people filled by his spirit, um, willing to do the work that he is doing on the earth, which really at the end, I think, um, you know, I think people need, yeah, people need a government, people need a system, people need policies and it keeps order. And so I'm not saying I'm against any of these systems, but, and neither is Sam, but, I think at the end of the day, what changes a bad system to even a better system or a bad group to a better group or bad people to, a you know, like a rotten, one rotten apple, you know, kind of ruins the whole batch, they say. Well, in the same way or in a similar way, people change because of people like human beings. And I think the focus is not so much on changing things around as the ultimate goal, but that God is in the business of, or in the work of filling people to change minds and hearts, ultimately changing lives mm. in Christ. And I think that's really the focal um, point of all of this is that, you know, and it's so like we say this all the time and um from a few messages back, I remember Sam said this, like, you know, you could have a perfect system, but you would be if you join that system because you're part of that system or because I'm part of that system and because I'm I'm a human being, 
we don't even have to say because I am imperfect. I think that yeah. we should, you know, embrace that. That's obvious. You know, there's really, I, I don't feel like I need to say I'm because I am imperfect. I think right. that's given, but because I am human, I will mess that up because you're human. You're going to mess that up. Mm. So ultimately we need a spirit of God. And I mean, that's really how change happens, mm. you know? Right. So I think it brings, I think the first point of that we need to learn what not to put our hope in really brings us to the ultimate, ultimate reality that we have to see that the systems are really, uh, dysfunctional. Um, and that ultimately God uses the weak to shame the strong. And only the weak can be filled by the spirit. Because I mean, if we are good and you, you know, Jesus says that he came for the sick, you know? Mm. Um, so if we are all well and all good and, you know, we're sufficient on our own, well, then I guess we didn't need a savior. But, you know, the truth is we are not well. We are not whole. And so we need a savior. We need a doctor. We need Christ. Mm. And so therefore it makes us the weak, those who are able to admit that we need Christ, that we need salvation. And so, yeah, God uses the weak to shame the strong. Right. And I think it's the upside down world. It's not just the power brokers and the millionaires and billionaires and all the pedigree, but without all of that, by the power of Christ. Mm. Yeah, I really like that distinction that you made because, you know, I think a lot of the times there is an emphasis on like policy and systematic changes in our society and things like that. But, you know, those kinds of changes only really impact our circumstances or maybe even our environment. But, you know, the it's through the people that you even listed, like the workers and the doctors and even Jesus Christ, um, who was kind of hands on with the people around us, it's through these people that, you know, real change is affected, right? Like it's through the work of ordinary people. I mean, Jesus was extraordinary, but like, I guess with Christ in us and in relation to other people, it's that's where the true source of power and change can really come from. Yeah. It's really the impact that he left through serving the people and the disciples and all the people that followed him that really impact the change in this world. Right. Yeah. He didn't get up on a podium and say, well, this is what we're going to do and we're going to march and do this, or we're going to, you know, he literally touched people's hearts and minds and ultimately changed their lives. And in the end died for them. And, um, so, that is really the way of Christ <laughs> yeah. to serve. Hmm. So instead of like from a power standpoint, is it like trying to change our attitudes or align ourselves to uh, like a like a service lifestyle or like uh, you know, I guess adopting a service-minded way of life? I mean, I think that's one way, but I think that oftentimes that's how we look at it, right? Mm. When we, um, when we hear a message 
that Christ came to serve and not to be served. It's easy to generalize and say, well, then let me again. I think we talked about it like a few weeks back in the podcast, like, well, let me be this kind of person. Let me be good. But it's not, he's not really talking about good or bad in that black and white sense, Mm -hmm. but he's really talking about, well, speak up to injustice, to speak up against lies. And even before all of that, um, how he uses the weak to shame the strong is really by calling people to rise up Mm. in courage, to walk in the name of Jesus, to speak in the name of Jesus. And I think this um, follows up with our podcast last week, but it's really emphasizing, but also really pressing in because of the living God that is within, you know, Mm. and doing as he did. Like Jesus was not at all like this nice man that walked about the earth and, you know, picked up garbage and, you know, picked up, you know, like people who were, who like, you know, like we have these uh, dramatization of what is, what is good. Oh, it's that guy who's so kind. He never raises his voice. And, you know, there's this perfection we have in mind as he always helps those people, you know, as he walks about the street, if someone is struggling, he always goes. But actually, Jesus was not so nice. He was always so focused on doing the will of God Mm. that even when he approached, as an example of a story, when he approached uh, this this pool, they, there was a pool with a mist that an angel came to stir it. And that when that angel came to stir it, that if people dip into the pool, like a huge fountain, mm. right, that they would be healed. There was a legend. So they had, it was like the modern day hospital in the way that like, or modern day clinic, like people would be laying around just w- waiting for that phenomenon to happen, to just get a dip into the water and among many people that were sick, Jesus actually heals this one person. And um, he says, you know, you might wonder, well, Jesus, you were there. You could have basically waved your hand and healed everyone. Mm. But it just shows the focus that he says, I'm here to do what God is doing. I could only do what the Father is doing. And he healed this man so he has a purpose for everything that he does and even though it's a complete broken world um he focuses on what the father is doing and is empowered by god's mission to do and to obey Mm. what god is telling him to do and i think that's important to know um, because the thing is, we live in a broken world. And a lot of times, if we look at it in the way like, well, then if we can't help everyone, why should I even try? Or um, who am I that if I can't be, you know, I don't even have a voice, I don't have influence. So why should I, why should I of all people try? But I think that's the thing. The prophetic voice of God is calling his people to rise up. Is He's raising people to rise up and to actually be, 
to finish the work that Christ has started, right? Mm. And so, yeah, I think, I guess I just want to say that because it's easy to go into this mentality, well, let's be good, let's be nice and go back to being nice versus not nice. But the focus really is about paying attention to who Christ is and what he is doing and what he is saying in the present moment as well. Right. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying about expectations, right? Because it's like maybe the world might have expected Jesus to behave or conduct himself in one way. But, you know, Jesus was very mindful and, you know, really worked in accordance to what God was doing. So it wasn't necessarily by adhering to the world standards, but it's by God's standards that, you know, he operated in this world. Yeah. Because if he listened to the world standard, I think he would have probably fold, formed an army and overthrown the Roman government. Mm. And the reason why they didn't like the Messiah, when the Jewish people saw him, they didn't like the Messiah, although he basically checked off on every box of the Torah of what a Messiah would be, was because they didn't like the form that he came, that he came in humility, that he came to serve that he came not as this king of splendor to overthrow the government and to save in that way so yeah he literally lived an upside down life where he listened to the voice of the father and the will of the father and followed through on god's plan and not the world's plan and the voices of others mm. so and that's really what he's calling us as well in this age and world to do, to follow the example of Christ, to follow God's mission and not the voice of man. Right. The first point kind of states the obvious that things are broken, that systems are not good. Mm. They're, and they never will be perfect because it's made up of people and people are human beings and um but to bring focus on to what god is saying to people and kind of take that framework of you know system out right mm -hmm. um and to see just people people in skin right people with you know with voices people with hearts and souls and minds and I was so excited because um, I remember Sam in the message said, you know, that God is doing something prophetically across the board of really making this, making this happen, like making this change happen through his spirit. Like there's something God is doing. And as he taught, he basically brought it to the point that God is calling people to come forward to obey the call mm. that and i want to kind of like i guess the word prof prophetic what does it really mean i think you and i were talking about this before and you like maybe you could kind of just share what you thought that meant because i think our listeners probably when they hear prophetic there's an excitement but it's like oh what is that it sounds almost foreign it's hard it may sound um, although in the spirit might understand like, yeah, that's something God is doing. Yeah. And exactly that's really what it is. But what does that mean for me is really the question I think that comes, you know, comes out. Yeah. So 
<laughs> Can you tell our the listeners what you were thinking when you heard it's it's very prophetic what God is doing? Right. Yeah, I thought it, I was totally under the assumption that it was like like the something the Holy Spirit is doing to like um like expose something about the nature of our politics or like something about our hearts or something along those lines. Like it's, it's like kind of like a call to action sort of basis. Uh huh. You know, I feel like the message is actually all across the board. It's just life in general, not just um, confronting corruption or confronting collusion or um to not collude or to be complicit, but it's really the internal, the, um, the temptation to be complicit, to know some, to know the truth, but to live opposite of it, to know the love of God and to live opposite of it, or to know the love of God and to not verbalize or to represent who he really is. Like, the prophetic move of God more than exposing the collusion, because I think um, corruption and how people are more or are bent towards keeping the power than really using the power to change for the benefit of all, mm. if that's even possible, um, is more obvious, right? I think... You know, even if you look at the polarization of left and right, like we'll we'll quickly know that something is not right. Wow. You know, and <clears throat> so it's just um, the prophetic, the prophetic on top of what God is doing really is etymology for God is moving and He is awakening hearts to be filled by him Whoa. to represent him. I see. And the thing is God is God is has been doing that throughout history, mm. right? But it's really a call of the present to remind people, to let people know he's doing this now. That's really what prophetic means that guys, people people, God is doing this right now. Yeah. He's doing this in the moment. He's doing this in this moment in history. He's doing this in this moment of your lifetime. He's speaking now. He's speaking to you now. Right. You know? so it really brings focus on the present moment that God right. is doing this right now. I see. So if I'm understanding that correctly, it's like we're developing the awareness and the intuition that this is this is what is happening at this current moment, given, you know, I guess we're, we're seeing all the flaws and the brokenness of our systems. And it's this, the prophetic element of this is being made aware that this is the work of God at this moment in our lives, like the call to be courageous and the call to, um, you know, step out and step forward in faith and boldness. So, wait, can you say the beginning part again? Uh, it's it's like an intuition or like the awareness, like we're being made aware um, that, you know, like we're catching on to like the okay 
Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So no, he's he when God's when God is working prophetically, it, uh-huh. he's not talking about intuition or mindfulness or awareness of what's happening uh-huh. or what what is. But he's talking about the living voice of God convicting people. So it's more like this. It's like more, um, I guess, to give an example that's more down to earth. Um, it's it's like um, me in my in my house, right? Mm-hmm. Asking my family to help me with this meal that I'm preparing. That I'm preparing a meal for a guest to come, Mm -hmm. right? To enjoy fellowship. And I need hands to help me out, prepare to prepare the table, to prepare the house, to prepare the, um, to prepare with the cooking. Do you know what I mean? Like I need hands and feet. I need actual people. So I'll say, hey, Josh, can you come and set the table? I'll say, Nathan, can you help me stir this stew so that I can um, grill the right. meat? Or um, it's really about functional and what God is, when, when um, Sam's talking about that prophetically that God is doing this and he's calling people, he literally means that God is knocking on doors and speaking and saying, will you rise up? to this cause will you rise up and that cause is different all of their under the you know rule mm-hmm. of god like the value of christ that differs in the way that it, it applies but ultimately all these things that we will that god is calling people to is so that that the the very um the focus, like the dinner will go well so that people will enjoy the food and understand that they are um, loved and, you know, to practice hospitality so that people are valued, right? In a dinner. But in, in, in a bigger scale, I guess it is, God is literally knocking on the doors of people's hearts saying, let's take this next step. Mm. Will you do this? So I think a lot of times people go, well, oh my gosh, I have to then listen and, you know, God's going to call me to do something big. And what if I miss it? I remember thinking like this, actually. I remember like, I felt like I had to be like one of the prophets. And this is like in my, you know, when I was so much younger, when I first came to Christ, like I felt like I need to sit at the Lord's feet and hear something dramatic, like the door will knock and, they will come in the door and they will tell me my assignment and it will be like a booming voice into my soul. Like that's kind of how I imagined it, (laughs) you know, but it's not necessarily um, incorrect because he does that. God can do that. But it's very close to heart and home that God is actually speaking to mm. us simply it's saying listen up listen to what god is saying he's actually taking you telling you something that you have a part in this that your presence matters your voice matters well wow. i see that definitely takes it to a 
whole nother decibel because you know i think that really makes the distinction clear that it's, it's it's more i think what if i'm correctly interpreting what you're saying it's it's more of a call to action at this moment right now god is calling us yeah and specifically knowing what it is that god is calling us to oh, take boy. action i see and i think it's easy to think like injustice mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. Like I, we talked about that a little yeah. bit last week. I, yeah. And the truth is like the problem is not resolved. The injustice exists, but God is not just speaking to this injustice. God is not just speaking to that brokenness or this brokenness. God is speaking to all around, all across the board of the work that he is doing to bring his children Mm. to him to know him know his heart because it's only by the love of god really known and understood and experienced and demonstrated and represented that people's minds and hearts will change mm. you know only when christ is made clear who he is that he is salvation that he is the way the truth and the life that the world will change so it's not even that we're trying to look at an ideal world system that if you know you do the job you do the job i do the job then the world will become a perfect place let's heal the world like it's not even banked on idealism but it's talking about yes the world is broken the system is broken this is all mm. obvious but let's accept that and let's not put our focus and hope in that, but let's look at the hope that Christ has put in us, in our community as Christ followers. That's where the hope is, because that's where Christ resides, right? So it's really taking the focus off of others. Actually, really, in the end, it's taking the focus off of other people taking responsibility and really about us heeding to the call and taking responsibility and playing our part. Oh. God. I see. Well, <laughs> that automatically incited a feat, like a panic response on my end. I think like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I see that makes things clearer. Cause it's like, I think there's like, well, for me, you know, I think generally taking responsibility of other things when I don't necessarily feel that I'm equipped or like that I have the metal or the stuff to, for the, I guess like if I'm thinking about this as like, uh, like I guess if I was to look at the responsibility or like the call at hand, you know, there is like this response that, you know, maybe I'm not adequate or maybe I'm not capable of adhering or heeding to that, the, I guess the responsibilities at hand. And I guess it's like that, re that really goes into, um, the second portion of our sermon where it was talking about how God calls ordinary and, you know, like ordinary people to this mission and this call. And, you know, I guess I'm just trying to, make sense of it so it's like we're placing we're no longer we're like turning away from 
placing that responsibility in the hands of other people, but we're really trying to, we are being called to accept that responsibility as our own and adhere to our post and our call during this time. In this but, life, wow. yes. Um, I see. That, that's really the only way change happens. In this way, like, if people don't, you know, if we say no to, like, if we say no to everything that is uncomfortable to us, I don't think that we would make any friends. We wouldn't fall in love. We wouldn't um, belong to a community. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, if we did everything according to our preference um, in times where we felt the call and said, nah, not me. I don't think so. That's hard for me. Like, I mean, it's a lot more complex than that. I think that it's very clear. Like, if we don't do anything, nothing, that thing, that project will not be right. done. Right? It's not going to grow itself. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to take action, take part. And I think that it's also breaking the pressure of the size of the impact, the size of um, the responsibility. Mm. We always think so epic, and it is, but it is more like the butterfly effect, like it goes back to last week. It is more like the butterfly effect in that it really is your your obedience and my obedience that leads to whatever that God wants to do with that. And we don't always know the ripple effect of our obedience. But I think a lot of times, like, and we talked about this last week, but we focus so much on, like, a grand, you know, action. Mm that totally miss really just obeying to obeying God on even the little things. Yeah. You know? So I think those those things are important to I guess convey right. again. Yeah, I think I'm being reminded and it's evoking some of our previous sermons about like how we're at the end of the day combating our own self-interest and those fears that are holding us back from stepping out in faith and in courage. And, you know, I think probably the general consensus might feel that we were, you know, we're totally not like quote unquote powerful people, but God does want to use us for that purpose. And like it invokes, um, you know, Tolkien's narrative in The Lord of the Rings, where, you know, he does use a seemingly very ordinary and, like, small character like Frodo to embark on, you know, a, a grander purpose. Making a connection yeah. With you. Yeah. True. And, you know, it's so prophetic. Like, I don't always know what Sam's yeah. going to preach on. And because... He prepares his message and he goes and films it. And I actually watch mm -hmm. it on Sunday. It's very rare that I'll know what the message is about because like we have to kind of like discuss the songs that mm -hmm. will connect. But even the song choices are often um, done prophetically. I'll hear from God what God is putting on my heart for the list of mm -hmm. worship songs that are 
um, I guess, integrated to the message and, and he'll do his part, you know? And, um, so this week I had no idea, you know, and Sam talked about this in the last uh, message that oftentimes because there's weather change and all, sometimes he doesn't know when he's going to go film the message. So this time he filmed it on like, was it Friday that it didn't rain? It was sunny, like days and days. And so he went right before sunset when it cooled mm-hmm. down a little bit because I think it was hot because he goes yeah. to the beach, right? I remember, so he came back. I didn't know what he preached on. Like we had dinner or whatever. And then um, on Sunday, I'm sitting down and I always sit down with my notebook and I worshiped and then I, so I stood up, let, let me just, since I don't get to see everyone, you know, we usually see her, like our family gathers, I, we worship standing up, like we lift our hands, like I am in church, like really just worshiping. like it doesn't matter that it's my voice or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm worshiping. And then I sat down and, um, oh, I totally forgot this part. So the day, so we, re- we decided before service that I was like, honey, I think we should watch Lord of the Rings, you know? Um, and he was like, oh, yeah? Because he was like, oh, let's find a movie that we could watch with yeah. the family again. So we've been going the Narnia series and, like, the Dog's Purpose series, Dog's Journey, you know, all these series. And um, I said, honey, I really think that we should watch Lord of the Rings more than Harry Potter because he suggested mm-hmm. Harry Potter maybe jump because there are a lot of like imageries and it's a fun yeah. story, right? But I was like, no, Josh might not be ready for it because there are different parts where it gets a little bit like, you know, sexual and it's inappropriate mm-hmm. for Josh. And so we decided, um, he was like, he actually didn't say anything to me. He probably was like, oh, like my wife is being prophetic yeah. right now, but he didn't say anything. And then I said, I think we should watch Lord of the Rings. And then so we watched Lord of the Rings, right? But um, and let me just share this because I think maybe it'll encourage some people because people go, well, I want to hear what God wants me to do, but I don't always know, you know? And people are looking for signs. And I totally believe in that. I believe in a supernatural God that he's alive, that he's not just a particle, but he is beyond and transcends all of this. And he's a living, living presence. So, um, and that he speaks to us in such humble ways that it could seem so silly, mm-hmm. but you know. So anyway, so I happened to come across um, this memory while I was doing dishes in the morning. So service is at twelve, and I'm thinking in my mind before I told Sam, "Let's watch mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings." I'm thinking in my mind like. Um, Kate Blanchett, she plays mm. the Lady of the Wood. She's like, a, I think, <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings, nerds and geek experts. I don't know, but I think she's an elf. I'm not sure, but they call her the Lady of the Wood. And all of a sudden in my mind, I'm thinking of this episode I watched on Oprah. And she, Oprah is interviewing Kate Blanchett. And she says to Kate Blanchett, who plays Lady of the Wood in Lord of the Rings, so, um, Kate, if what, they had a whole conversation on how she eats really healthy. Yeah. And you know how I'm into all this, like, health and fitness, and I'm always trying to find something. And then she asks her, years ago, 
She goes, okay. Um, what would your last meal be? And then Kate goes, oh, my last meal would probably be a bowl of rice, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, wow, she really has a healthy lifestyle. Like yeah. I eat rice every day. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm having a conversation in my head by myself, you know, on Sunday morning. And then I turn on service and I'm already thinking, let's watch Lord of the Rings. And then Sam's like, you know, it's like when Tolkien says, it's not up to us. When Gandalf says to Frodo, it's not up to us. Um, something, something. And Frodo, and he says, what is up to us is what we do yeah. with the time that we've been given. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's so like, so anyway, to say, did God want us to watch Lord of the Rings? Do we enjoy it as a family? Yes. But did God speak to us through Lord of the Rings? Yes. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's a point where Frodo comes and he realizes that the responsibility that has been given to him is something that God has, not God, but that destiny has called mm. him to do. And he wants to make a choice. Do I want to do this or do I want, do I not? And he sees the cost, you know, he's like this, funny little hobbit that grew up in the Shire. He knew a certain lifestyle that was pleasant and charming and, you know, playful, but he has to come to a place where he has to bear a burden. He has to actually carry a burden outside of himself that's bigger than himself. And he decides, I'm going to do this, you know, and he's constantly tested because it's difficult, but it's really the movie is really about him and the fellowship of the ring of the people that come together to help him do this and everyone is playing their part to make this happen to make right wrong i mean make the make wrong mm. right and it was such a powerful picture because one um i think Really, why we say no to the call of God is yeah. because we feel that burden. And that burden is burdensome, and it mm. always speaks through fear. And a lot, oftentimes, because we feel the fear, we have conversations where we either say, I'll do it, or we mm. won't do it. You know? And Truth is, yeah, truth is, God can raise up anybody. It's, and well, there's that argument. Well, God's God. If you, yeah. know, if you don't do it, someone else will do it. But the truth is, if everyone did that in, in a community, right? In the community of God, if I don't like that burden, so I'm not going to do that. Or that's a challenge. So I don't want to take that challenge. I don't want to take that, um, that burden or responsibility upon myself, but I want to kind of stay and coast here, then think about the world just here, just here and locally. Think about the world that it would be if no one got up and, and um, I'll use the word volunteer. If no one got up and volunteered, what would happen, right? If no one got up and said, you know what, I'll wake up early and I'll show up for that. Or if, if um, everybody said, well, I don't know, like, that's a lot of words to say. Uh, I don't feel very comfortable about be putting myself out there. So I'm not going to say that. So you know what? I'm going to say no. If everybody did that, 
words would yeah. not be spoken, you know? So this message is really about, yes, there is a burden and it's ultimately fear. And what are we going to do about that? Because the scripture and history makes it clear that God is calling yeah. people to step up, to take responsibility, to take the next step mm. of responsibility, mm. you know? So it's really about, yes, action, but action is not possible without us actually taking up the burden, right. you know? Yeah, that, that strikes really deep with me because I think it's like, it really goes to show that I think, you know, in our hearts, we know or that we, we I think we know that we want to rise to the occasion, right? Or like to adhere to the call. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I guess there's a lot of doubt and a lot of fear about whether we are going to be able to step up when the time comes, right? And that's usually what's holding us back from being able to really step forward um, with like confidence or like with courage and adhere or like ad address that burden or that responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I guess that, that kind of makes me feel like I, it puts me, it like puts, it puts things into perspective for me because I think for a long time, I've always felt like I want to adhere and I want to obey God's call in my life. Um, but the, the thing that's always, or like usually that holds me back is that, that feeling that I'm not capable and like, I'm just, I don't have enough skill or knowledge or, you know, uh, enough experience or I'm not the most qualified. And like, it's, it's usually these things that um usually that get in the way of being able to wholeheartedly uh say yes to god when it comes to this you know like call to action right but i guess one of the questions i did want to ask you is you know like in in the event that maybe some of us might be feeling this way especially right now where it just seems like there's so much uncertainty and precariousness like i guess how do we com combat that or like how do we um really step forward in faith and courage knowing that god has called us for a specific purpose and plan in mind yeah what like, do we do yeah like, how do we like how work do we... around this fear oh how do we work around this fear you know i have uh i struggle with fear myself like in various, you know, settings and, and, you know, research and practice will tell you and experience of others will tell you inspiration and also challenging, um, that fear is only overcome when you oh face it. So a lot of times we wait for fear to kind of dissipate, but you know, like in my children, like I've only seen them grow when they actually face the fear. It's easy mm. to enable them because it feels like comforting. And ultimately it's, no one can make any choice for you that you don't want to make, you know, to overcome your fears 
or to face your fears. But it doesn't matter what the equation is or what the situation is. Fear is overcome when you face it. And um, so if we're waiting around to feel comfortable about something, I think it's more of a misconception when mm. people say, okay, I feel I'm ready now. You know, we see a lot of these like stories where, or hear stories where I wasn't sure, but I was ready and I was, let's go, let's do it. But I don't think that it's necessarily an absence of fear that people feel in that readiness, but actually it's kind of, you're kind of um, bracing the fact that I'm going mm. to do something that's really uncomfortable. And it's really coming to the place of choice. I'm going to, I decided I'm going to do it anyway, is when people say I'm ready. Because that fear is really only overcome when it's um, finished and done in hindsight. Mm. You know, then you go, oh, wow, I'm not scared of that anymore. Well, because you overcame it, right? So, I think that God is saying to all of us that we can't wait for an um, opportunity to come where we are no longer uncomfortable or fearful. But if we hear the call of God, um, that we have to obey, it's, it's, it's now, you know? So I say this all the time, but I don't actually, I, I don't like, to speak, yeah. not knowing who's listening. <laughs> and podcast is exactly that. We have growing listeners. We don't know who's listening. Um, I don't know everybody. You know, we could say, well, I only want to speak to people that really know me right. and really understand my heart. Well, okay, that's fine. But if we do just that, about Christ, we could do that about other stuff, you know, like our fitness plan, our, you know, our life, life seek, like secrets or things that we've gone through. Like those things have boundaries, right? But I mean, all things have boundaries, but like if we, if I don't speak, if I don't speak about Christ, if I don't speak about what God is saying and what he's putting on my heart, and if I don't show up, well, and just share it to the people that really know me and really understand me and really support me. Well, I think the influence, the sphere of influence right. will only be that size, you know? And we could say, but I think that's the thing. We don't really have control over the things that God calls us mm. to do a lot of times. But there is a trust factor of knowing that um, when God calls us to do it, we might not necessarily know the effect of that or the ripple effect or the next page, what it will look like. Because in the present moment, it just feels like so uncomfortable, so vulnerable. But it's important to say yes, because it's a lot bigger than us. You know, God is always doing things for the good of those who love him. God is always working things out in this world in his wisdom and his understanding that is beyond us. And I think it's important that if God is calling us, that it's important that we say yes to him because 
he's mm. up to something. So do you feel like it's it's important to acknowledge that the weight of the call has to outweigh our fears? Like it's like we have to kind of come to that conclusion, like God's call is so paramount that we have like we have to do it despite our fears. Yeah, because I think it's, you know, being able to do something for the sake of someone else um, is really about saying, you know what, I'm not going to just live for mm -hmm. myself and my self-interest. And I'm going to step out for the sake of someone else. I'm going to step out for the sake of Christ. I'm going to step out so that I could be a blessing, that someone will be blessed, you know. So, yeah, I definitely believe that. We have to understand that it is paramount. It is way bigger than just our mm. own self-interest and comfort. I have to let that one sink in a little bit because, <laughs> you know. You know, I think I'm coming to a place at this point in my life where I'm realizing that there are a lot more fears than I was made aware of before. But, you know, one of the things that have always been important to me and one of the things that have always been, I think, on the forefront of my pursuits was always to adhere to God's calling and um, the mission at hand or, you know, or even like his specific calling in my life. So it's like, and I guess, you know, this sermon is bringing awareness or like awakening in me that stir in that sense that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like the fears have to dissipate or be dispelled before we act, but it, you know, it's, I, th I guess it's like for us, we have to reconcile the fact that God is calling us right now at this moment um, for a purpose and we have like I guess not that we like we we and it's going to be regardless of whether we fear or not right it's like going to be like because because you know personally it, it just kind of seems like I'm pretty scared right like it's just there's so much uncertainty and there's like obviously there's you can't really it's not like there's a guarantee per se that things are going to work out, but it's even despite those things, what's first and foremost is the father's call and who Christ is in our lives to begin with. Yeah. I think that it looks different. Mm. It looks very different in many ways. Um, from yeah. the first century to now. But, you know, when Paul is talking about, I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel, where it is the power of God um, mm. that saves and heals, right? Um, he, he is talking literally, and I know we talk about this, and this is just in scriptures, but, He's talking about death, but 
you know, he could be persecuted, he could be, you know, killed, he could be, who knows what, you know, imprisoned and starved and burned and, you know, thrown into the Colosseum, like, these all the all of the above is um, possible. But he's saying, well, I know that I know the benefits of following Christ and and mm. um, making him my Lord, you know? So he's like really just talking from the benefits of why would I be ashamed of this? Like, I know that mm. I'm the one being saved, right? So for him, like, he understood, yes, life after death and all of that, but even in present life, even if it meant death and discomfort on a scale of like, I don't know, one to a hundred, a hundred, right? That much of persecution that we don't know about. I mean, yes, we know about persecution, but not to the extent Paul understood, but he was not afraid. He could boldly proclaim that he was a Christ follower, that he was no longer, um, you know, a persecutor of of the faith, but he embraced that he also yeah. needed salvation to Jesus Christ, you know? And, that, and that's what people were really battling with in fear. You know, do I, do I really profess my faith? Do I really share my faith? Do I really say that I am a Christ follower? Was really what they were going through because they were literally um, imprisoned and killed and families and tortured. I think that in the century that we live in or in the decade that we're living in, it more and more it becomes about the, mm. there's no religious persecution per se. Um, I think the fear is at most the fear is being um, objectified by a polarization that, oh, you are a Christ follower. So, yeah. well, then that means you're like this, this, that, right? But, um, but even that, it's more of, yes, it's true in many ways, but it's in many ways an imagination, right? I think for us, like what we fear is not what we're facing every day as a Christ follower. But the fear that we have the most is sharing mm -hmm. our faith each day. You know, I think since the last podcast, um, people have been asking me, I've been wondering too, like, how is it that I could share my faith, be more upfront about my faith? And the conversation that I've been just generally having with people is, hey, I know that um, you share your faith and that you do evangelize, but did you ever just proclaim that you are a Christian on any yeah. platform that you have? You know? And, and people will say, you know, actually, oh, is that important? Is that not important? And, and, I, and I just like just said practically to one specific person, I said, but you know, it's such a great way to declare your faith, even though mm -hmm. you might not be a huge social media person. Um, because it's the one place where you don't have control who knows and who doesn't know, but you have the control of saying and proclaiming who you yeah. are for anyone to see, you know? And, um, and I think we need those practices. 
And it might sound silly, like, oh, come on, like, could God be calling someone to do that? Well, I believe so, because it's more important than we think. You know, declaring that we are a Christ follower, it's more important than we think. Saying why we can't work on Sundays or in those hours because I go to church because I'm a Christ follower. I think that's more important to say than, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I got to do something at the time. Like, I think I said last week in the podcast, and I really believe that, like, we have to make it easier on people who don't know Christ yet about his love. But I think oftentimes we make it a lot harder for them to figure it out. You know, it almost becomes like this mysterious, like, game. But I think, honestly, I feel like God is calling many, I mean, all of us, to yeah. be open about our faith to the people we least yeah. expect, you know, and to see God's power unfold because we're not in control, but we really surrender that fear of man and fear of rejection. I think these are steps that God is calling many people in our community who have not yet mm. proclaimed faith publicly um, to do. And so, yeah, I, I guess I say that because like a lot of times we think, oh, what can we do for God? But a lot of times we're thinking about these big sacrifices when really it's really simple sometimes. It's just one step and the next step. And the initial steps of just letting him be known, who he is in our lives, I think it's always the right step. And it's always what God is calling us to speak, right. you know, to do. Right. And that's the, in the name of Jesus part. Like, we could do a lot of good, but we're talking about doing things filled by the Spirit. And that's only through Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And this is the healing and the restoration that this that our world and the people around us need at the end of the day, right? Like it's through knowing the Lord and through um, through Christians and believers proclaiming their faith that people can even begin to have access to the kind of healing and the power that you know is expressed through Peter and John and can be expressed through us, like. Even if we might not feel that, like, our stories might be, like, powerful or, like, interesting or, you know, persuasive in any way, it is through our faith and through, you know, our relationship with Christ that, you know, power seems to be invoked. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. We don't mm. know what God is going to do with that. It's exciting yeah. also, right? It is exciting. Yeah, yeah whenever I hear God is prophetically, mm -hmm. I, like my ears always peak. <laughs> like, yes, I want to know, what is, what is he doing? You know, sometimes I sit outside or sit on my kitchen table with a cup of coffee, and I'm just wondering that, God, what are you up to? What are you saying? And you know, God mm. speaks, he answers, he really, and he really speaks back to those people who are really, really seeking and really wanting to know his heart. He will, he will not withhold that from anyone who really seeks his heart. So 
I mean, I think a life, I think life is a lot more exciting when we embrace the prophetic and that God is speaking and that He's able to speak to us in so many different ways than、mm. we, you know, we think. And He inspires us in so many different ways. Did I tell the butterfly、uh, story last week? Yes, I think、Or、you talked about the. Butterfly, the caterpillar that was eating the dill. Um, any update?、Uh, <laughs> I don't know how. Much, maybe did I say that I had already adopted the butterfly? Butterfly.、Uh, I think I think you adopted. Yeah, I think we talked about <laughs> adopting the caterpillars, but we're gonna have to confirm with Henry. <laughs> okay.、Yeah. Well. It's not a big deal, but yeah. So you know, I was, you know, it, it could sound really silly, right? But to me, I know that God was speaking to me through this. But you know, so I found out that I, you know, you should listen to last week's message. It's about the butterfly effect and how God uses. It's almost like how He works is through the butterfly effect, right? Something small on this side of Earth could ripple effect to something so impactful and significant、right. on the other side. Is like the butterfly effect, a term for weather, I believe, right? But it can be used for change as well. And、um, after hearing that message, so this week it was about Lord of the Rings. Last week,、um, after I heard the message, I couldn't believe it because I found out that I had butterflies laying eggs on my dill, which was a big dill. Anyway, so、um, so I actually decided to adopt all five. Caterpillars,、mm-hmm. and I've been raising five caterpillars, and、um, I've kind of become like a mom of five caterpillars. So first thing I always always check on them. So it's been like seven days as of today, I guess, or eight days. I started last Sunday, and I have five caterpillars that are just munching away. I actually have to order food for them because they ran out of parsley and dill everywhere in the stores. But anyway. Um, and I'm learning so much about these caterpillars, and it reminded me of the Lord of the Rings too, actually, because you know the reason why I adopted them is because they say that one out of a hundred caterpillar really makes it out to be a butterfly, and、mm-hmm. I always thought, oh, it's like stage one, stage two, stage three, boom, butterfly, and. Flutter, flutter, flutter! How easy! But actually, there's a lot of resistance. I realized, and so I felt,、um, yeah, compelled, you know, to adopt, take care of them. So I put them in a cage.、Um, so they have breathing. They have, you know, they have clean food or whatever. And I'm watching them grow, and.、Um, It occurred to me, like on day three, not just the fact, like, oh wow, God is speaking about butterfly effect. He gave Sam that message to speak that message, and here is a butterfly. But it really encouraged me、um, to see the process of、mm-hmm. these butterflies growing and how hard it is sometimes, you know, and.、Um, Seeing the resistance that they go through and the process that they go through, and I felt like in many ways it mirrored 
it was kind of like when, so I don't know what is going on, but my back, like in my backyard, I have these beautiful, huge yellowtail, like they're like this ebony black colored butterflies, like some are bigger than birds, just like mm -hmm. flying. And I guess I have host plants, that's what you call, but they're just like, it, it's, I almost feel like mm -hmm. the beauty of God is just like fluttering everywhere, right? And, well, for me, I feel God's presence through nature, so, but I guess like to make the long story short, like short, because I reflect on this every day now, but um, I was just really inspired by these butterflies and the process, and it really reminded me of us humans, you know, how we go through these different stages and how it's hard like just like a lot of these butterflies don't make it like actually four out of five one drowned in its own mm -hmm. water that I, that was holding the stems for the food but like it's a hard process like you know walking in christ mm -hmm. it's not easy there's so much resistance not only do you have predators of wasps and birds trying to get at you before you make it to the next phase but I think we as human beings, like it doesn't matter what it is, anxiety, demonic voices, contrarian spirit, the ways of the world, temptations of the world, there's so much that we go through in this world. And, but some are still surviving, you know, and I'm gonna see it, it's through. I'm gonna see them become butterflies. But I, I guess I was just like thinking about that, that it's not easy. And God never says that saying yes to him will be easy. You know, being a Christian is not about things becoming easy, hmm. but it's really about having hope, you know? It's about finding hope where not in systems, not in an ideal, not in an idea, but it's really about finding hope that will last. And mm. that's who Christ is. That's God's plan. And so, you know, I don't know. I'm finding a lot mm. of uh, encouragement and a lot of imageries of seeing these butterflies really make it through to their full cycle to, you know, but, um, it's not easy. It's not easy for butterflies. It's not easy in this world. But if we could accept that it's not about comfort, that it's not about everything that comes back to us and self-interest or self-investment only, but that we have a calling as Christ followers and we have not just responsibility, but God has put in us the call to make an impact in, a, in the world, outside of ourselves. I think when we realize that, I think that, and we actually say yes to that yeah. call, I think we can make a difference in the world. You know, everyone coming together, um, and I don't mean like assembling, but I think if people actually heard from God and did what God was calling people to do, however humble it was, you know, or how grand or challenging it was, whether to pray or to speak up or to share your faith with someone, um, to step up and to actually, you know, talk about Christ. All these steps, they're mm. not in vain, is yeah. what I'm, what I want to say. I think there was say. just this, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's like a really 
a good reminder. I think, and you know, I think often there are times that I feel like I forget that this call is greater than my comfort or my own self-interest and things like that because of the fact that like we encounter so much resistance or the fact that a life lived for Christ is not necessarily easy. And in fact, you know, there's like a lot of things that come in the way of trying to uh, live a life uh, for Christ, you know, in that way. But, you know, one thing that I'm reminded of is the fact that like once we do hear that call or we feel that conviction from the Holy Spirit, it's really, it's really difficult to shake off, right? Like it's not, it's like once you hear God's whisper and God's call that, you know, like it's hard to ignore and it's really hard to dismiss the fact that this calling is there specifically for each and every one of us. Um, and I, I guess that's what keeps me going. Um, and that's, that's just what I've been thinking about from what you were saying about the caterpillars and the butterflies and stuff. Cause you know, I think there is oftentimes a lot of like we give we I give myself like tons of reasons or lots of reasons why it's like too hard to do or like I'm just not, you know, sufficient enough at this task or this responsibility. But at the end of the day, like, I think there is this kind of haunting and knowing that God is calling each and every one of us into um, a specific purpose. Right. Yeah, he mm. definitely has things planned and in mind, mm. yes, for us to do because there's work to be done and he knows mm. where we would fit well for that plan. So trusting him when he, when he convicts us, when he speaks to us, when he um, brings, you know, exposure to that that we are not aware of by his spirit. Um, I think all we can do is, you know, at the initial feel of feelings of fear, say, God, fill me because this is hard, but I want to, I want to obey you. And I think mm. that will make an impact. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. Mm. Um, well, I guess the last question I have on my end, um, you know, as I'm like trying to digest and trying to, you know, really sit with this message in our conversation is like, I guess, where do we get started? Right? Like if we know that there is work to do and God is calling us to this work, um, where, where should we begin or where, you know, where do you think is the start point for us at this time? I think spending time to really um, sit and really ask the question like, God, what are you saying that I haven't been hearing? You know, what is the saying that I've been too busy or neglecting? Or God, what are you saying that my fears have kind of really just literally silenced your voice from um, me hearing, right? Because God could be saying something, but we could be deflecting in all different directions. 
So I think making time to really spend time with with God and asking Him the question, God, what are you saying? What are you up to? And really reconnecting with Him is, I think, so important for the assignments that He has, but also for relationship because, you know, the Bible says that we can't do anything apart from Christ and our relationship with Him is so important and that we strengthen our relationship with Him by being sitting at his feet and really hearing his voice and speaking to mm-hmm. him directly is really, really important. Um, and going from there and um, and then, you know, speaking to others, hey, this is what God is saying to me, hey, um, and bringing community around that to discern that voice, like, do you think this is God? And, you know, sometimes it will be that um, it will be an off direction and or misguidance and there will be redirection. And I think that's all part of hearing that call. We can't just assume like, oh, I think I heard it, so I'm going to do it. But there's a learning aspect to that. And there's a growing aspect to hearing his voice, knowing the difference between our own voice and the world's voice and God's voice. Um, so, because a lot of times, we might hear on our own in our own inner voice what we feel most guilty of or what we feel judgment against and a lot of times that will happen when you hear god's voice on an assignment we'll hear the very conviction about you know things that we're judgmental about and something that we are fearful about or we're guilty of and we'll automatically go oh that must be where god is calling me but and that's why i think we need discernment around us to know hey i've been praying about this and this is something that came up and um to really talk through it and a lot of times it's just Mm. a step in motion not necessarily the assignment itself does that make sense? I don't know if that ever happens to you, but a lot of times the things in the guilt area, things that we felt bad about, those seem like the urgent things that, oh, God mm. must be telling me to do this because it's been kind of nagging at me. But sometimes yeah. God is not that voice that's been nagging at you, you know? And and I think that's why discernment with community is very biblical and important to talk with um, brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing. And sometimes someone will say, actually, you know, I know that that is a worldly value of a cause that you want to approach to make a difference. But did you know this is what God says about that? And it could really be a growing learning experience where it cleared things up as well, what God is saying. So I think in so many ways, it's such a great opportunity to sit and listen and to really listen to what God is saying to our hearts, Mm. to give ear to that and not, you know, especially now in the whole lockdown, I think we're in phase almost three. Mm. It's It's a slow opening of phase three in the pandemic and everyone is either very restless or really burnt out from being, um, you know, slowed down in so many ways. And some being a computer and working all the time, burnt out. And, you know, healthcare professionals are burnt out from trying to make sense of everything and, you know, running around. And these are the stories that I'm hearing. 
And in the midst of that, I think it's so important that we sit down and hear what God is saying and to speak to others about that. Because at the end of the day, it becomes the most important thing. Our relationship with God and what God is saying to us and how that plays out horizontally to the world, the impact, the responsibility, you know, the assignment is really for the sake of others, you know? So I guess that's what I'll be doing this week. I'm going to take time to really sit and silence my phone and maybe just for the, except for the Bible app or my notes or even really get out a pen and paper and really just spend time with God Mm. and hear what God is saying in this time. And some of you might hear, you know, continue to be faithful, you know, and keep pressing in until I release you from that. Or, you know, God might encourage you of the step that you are already taking. Um, And God might tell you, hey, you know, I can't say what he's going to say, but a lot Mm. of times he tells me, like, Lydia, stay faithful on this track. Because I'm always, what more can I do? And um, sometimes God God will say, slow down and stay faithful to this and focus on what it is that I've already called you to do. You know, and for some, it would be, hey, it's time to talk about that thing that I've been wanting to talk to you about. And, you know, and I think we'll all be very surprised as much as it brings, it might bring out the discomfort and fear in us when God speaks and lets us know of his assignment. It's actually very joyful because it comes with hope and it comes with joy of knowing that God is really redeeming the world. And the world meaning people. Mm. He's his heart is always that. So yeah. to have a part in that, it's really sure. exciting. But yeah, yeah, that's all I got today. I think that's probably what I'm going to do also in just trying to stay with the Lord and you know, I think really redirect my steps also with where God is calling me to because you know, I think I oftentimes have the tendency to really just try to, you know, fumble around on my own. So, you know, I I do think this was a poignant and pretty important message for a lot of us as believers to really refocus and um, align ourselves to what the Spirit is doing in our lives and what God is doing in our lives and identifying that call and really rising to the occasion, whether we feel like we don't have the capabilities or that we're not sufficient, we know that, you know, it's in our weakness that God's strength is made perfect. And so I'm personally excited and, um, you know, a little afraid, uh, slightly afraid also, but, you know, I'm also pretty excited for what's in store for what God can do to each and every one of us. Amen. Let me pray and before we close. Father, I just want to pray for our um, listeners and our community. And um, we want to pray, Father, that as we distinguish what you are saying to all of us and where you're positioning all of us, Lord, in this time in history, Lord, 
we pray, Father, for your spirit. We pray for the leading of your spirit. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, that you would give us discernment and courage and clarity um, beyond the resistance that is strong in um, in this time. And we pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, we would break through that we would break through blocks um, and fears that have kept us from really stepping in to the call and to the destiny of direction, of change and impact that you are calling your people, God. And I just pray, Father, whether there are issues and fears generationally, God, in the name of Jesus, we want to pray, Father, for breakthrough and victory in these areas and overcoming, Lord, in all these places, Lord, that the shadows that have been cast, Lord, far and long into the past and that the present and the future seems bleak by inside of fear. We pray, Lord, for faith in these places, God, that you will begin to obliterate darkness and the very entity of that spirit, Lord, and we pray, Father, that you would begin to show us, Lord, that people that we are not alone and we are being called by you, and God, that you are greater than the one who is in this world, Lord. So we pray for victory um, over all these places, Lord, and that we as children of God would rise up to the occasion, to all the positions and places where you're calling us. And we pray also for listeners that are seeking, Lord. Um, we pray, Lord, that for many who have been pondering about their decision to follow you, Jesus, we pray, Father, that people um, would be able to make those decisions, Lord, to follow you because you're very close, God, and they're so close. And we pray, Lord, that people will come to you really start this relationship with you by surrendering their lives to you, God, and really experience the, this hope that is not found in this world, but really found in you that anchors us, that leads us, Lord. It is the very person of Christ that will lead our steps into eternity, God, from this earth to eternity, as the song says, Lord. So we pray for encouragement this week as the phases are progressing and some have reneged and come and um, gone backwards in many ways. We pray for safety, but we pray all, in the midst of all of everything that's going on, we pray for the voice of the Spirit to be known and heard and felt within, Lord, and for us to operate, Lord, by the ministry and the work and the voice of your Spirit and not by the voices of this world and the ways of this world, Lord. So we pray for this, Lord, that we would soar like eagles, Lord. And um, so we pray for everything that is ahead in this week, for every uh, single one of our listeners. And we pray, Lord, and thank you that you are already walking with us and that you're already ahead of us, God. So we thank you and we trust and we put Amen. our hope in you. Well, thank in you so Jesus much again, Pastor Lydia, Amen. for this conversation and the wisdom. Um, looking forward to our next conversation next week as well. Yes. Um, that sounds great. And thank <laughs> you, Joe, for always um, being honest and asking and, uh, those questions. Folks, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Will you now pray, bow your heads for the benediction. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Until next time, can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye now. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase Quick Pay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone, but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the Prayer Text Hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.